Well, this morning I am continuing our sermon series called Holy Habits, Five Habits for Spiritual Growth. Friends, these are the fundamentals. Now, as I've said before, the, the best basketball players, they keep on practicing free throws and layups. The best football players, the Super Bowl is coming up. Tom Brady for 20-some years has been, or more, has been practicing throwing and catching. You know, we, don't, we never outgrow the fundamentals. And the same is true in the Christian life. And our church has laid out four key priorities for fulfilling our mission. We have a little chart for you on the screen so you can picture this. We've been talking about one habit a week. We started with habit one. We want you to intentionally connect with others, community, fellowship, small groups. Habit number two, we want you to grow continuously by reading God's word. Especially we invite you to uh, participate in our 90-day challenge where we do that together. And then last week you heard from Marie, you got a master class on reach consistently and incorporating prayer, care, share into your life, and praying for the lost to come to know Jesus. And this week, we're looking at what's in the center, habit number four, worship regularly. You know, one of the most foundational habits since the beginning of the church has been the weekly gathering for worship. Christians have been gathering for worship on Sundays for 2,000 years. And this is a habit that most of us just take for granted, right? You, you come to church on Sundays. That's, that's for granted. Uh, and some of you, you might have grown up in churches where you, you came Sunday morning for worship, then you went to Sunday school, then you had Sunday night church, then you had Wednesday night Bible study or the prayer meeting. And I, I see a few people out there, you're, you're, you're nodding your head. And uh, you've experienced this. And now I don't say that to say, well, we should do everything that people used to do in the past. But I do think we underestimate the power of simply showing up week in and week out to worship with Christ's body, to serve, to love, to pray, and to grow old with friends. We need this. And this season, this year, has challenged corporate worship more than any others probably in all of our memories. And I want to commend you and applaud you for the ways that you have gathered for worship in every way that you can. Uh, the ways that you've joined on Zoom, the ways that you've uh, joined online. We're so grateful for that. And I want to be clear, uh, this sermon may strike a little funny during the pandemic, but I want to be clear that I support everybody who is staying at home and exercising caution and choosing to worship in ways uh, for them. So I'm glad that you have stayed connected how you can. But well before the pandemic, uh, it's pretty well known that church attendance has been in decline across the United States. Um, about 50% of people in America do not actively attend any church. Um, and out of that 50% who do actively attend, now that typically means at least one, uh, uh, once a month or more. Um, so that you may not consider that very active if you just come once a month. And of those who are active, many are beginning to come less and less. Uh, Pastor Kerry Newhoff wrote a recent blog post, and this is before the pandemic. He, he was saying that people who used to, who used to attend every Sunday... They're now attending maybe three out of four. And for those who were attending three out of four, now they're attending two out of four. You know, people who attended 45 to 50 Sundays a year, they're now attending 20 to 30. Friends, that's significant. Because the less that we gather, the less we are connected, the less we are shaped by worship and the Word of God, that is going to be to the detriment of Christ's church. And so, uh, Newhoff in this blog, he talks about why, why are normally committed churchgoers attending less often these days? And again, this is before the pandemic, but he gives a number of reasons. Uh, first of all, he says there's greater affluence in general. 
People can afford to travel. People can afford to do fun activities on the weekend, do house projects, put their kids in activities. People can just afford to do stuff that's fun. That's one reason. Uh, nowadays, there's a higher focus on kids' activities. Uh, all good things, but that may keep families out of church more often. More travel. People like to travel for leisure or do weekend get- getaways or have recreation. Newhoff says there's no more cultural expectation or no guilt for not attending. Maybe that's an okay thing. Then he says there's more of a self-directed spirituality these days. You know, I'll do a little med- meditation, I'll do a little yoga, I'll, I'll, I'll go to this Bible study over here, and I'll, I'll watch a little Francis Chan, and I'll, and I'll go to church too. You know, and, I, and you kind of just pick and choose. There's less commitment to one place. And then Newhoff lists online options. Now again, this is before the pandemic, and I mean, aren't we all so grateful that we've been able to worship online uh, when there's a snowstorm, you can be at home. We're grateful for this technology. And you know, more than that, many people are even discovering our church and uh, what we have to offer here. Uh, but I do think there is a danger here uh, that perhaps when the pandemic is over, when things start opening up, um, you know, people might actually begin to gather with the church less often. You know, because they say, ah, you know, I'll just, I'll just catch the service online. I'll just catch it later. Yeah, you can catch the service, friends, but you can't catch the gathering with God's people. And that is significant. And Scripture encourages, encourages us to gather with God's people. Hebrews 10, that's our passage. If you'd like to turn, with, uh, turn there with me or follow along, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 is what I'm mainly looking at. And it says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So the writer of Hebrews says, do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Now, the early church primarily met in homes and for mutual encouragement. So this, this command to keep gathering is for the purpose of receiving that type of encouragement. And more, so we should keep gathering in those settings, those small group settings where we can be encouraged and built up and supported. But in addition to that, the, ch- the church has been gathering for worship on Sundays uh, for centuries to sing, to pray, to hear Scripture read publicly, and for preaching. And so, friends, the habit that I'm asking you to recommit to in whatever way you can is regular worship, faithful worship. And if you're not already convinced of that, I want you to be even more convinced this morning. Why should you make this a foundational habit in your life? We're going to talk about a few reasons. Number one, we regularly worship because we honor Jesus' resurrection, the Lord's day. We honor his resurrection, the Lord's day. Let me remind you that we gather on Sundays for a reason, not just because it's the weekend or the end of the week. Uh, We gather, friends, because this is a celebration. This is a time to celebrate. You know, the Jews, they held their worship on Saturday, the Sabbath, uh, the seventh day, because that's when God had commanded them to observe that. And Jesus... Remember, it was killed on a Friday, that's Good Friday, rested in the tomb on Saturday, rose again the next day, Sunday, the first day of the week. So Christians, very early on, began to worship on Sundays to honor Jesus' resurrection. You know, in our Bible reading plan, we just finished reading the book of Acts, and it says this in Acts 20, verse 7, on the first day of the week, that's Sunday, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, He kept on talking until midnight. Now, that's a long sermon. 
I'm not going <laughs> to go that long today, even though you're trapped in here with the snow. Don't worry. Amen. Wow, I got an amen for that. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. The first day, Jesus' day, they came together to break bread. Then Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 16, when Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, he said, on the first day of every week, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when, when I come, no collections will have to be made. So they were gathering on the first day of the week. Then uh, when the Apostle John gets his wonderful vision of what's called the book of Revelation, he says this, I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus. I was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit. And that's when he receives the vision of the book of Revelation. So very early on in scripture, we see this association between the first day, the Lord's day, as it was also called, and worship, gathering for worship. You know, I think it's interesting, if it were up to you, what day would you have chosen? I mean, I think the obvious choice would have been just to keep it on the Sabbath, uh, because they've been doing that for centuries, right? Uh, another alternative, maybe they could have switched it to Friday, because that's the day when Jesus died on the cross, right? I mean, that's central to our faith. But friends, for the early church, the resurrection was their greatest hope. It was the victory over death. It was the hope of new creation. And so they decided early on, that is the best day for us to gather, to honor Jesus' resurrection and his greatest victory. You know, sometimes people say that, you know, we should celebrate Christmas all year, all year long, right? Uh, but actually, for the early church, their intention was that we would actually celebrate Easter all year long that every Sunday would be a mini Easter, a celebration of Jesus rising from the grave and our great victory and hope we have in Him. And so as we continue to gather and hold services on Sundays, we continue this tradition of honoring the Lord's day and the hope of new creation. And friends, this is all also why we express our praise and why we sing together on Sundays, because we're celebrating our deliverance, our salvation, and our redemption as the Apostle Peter put it in 1 Peter 2, he says this, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Peter says we have been made God's special people, so that we can declare His praises. We gather to sing His praises to the one who called us out of darkness, to the one who extended us His mercy when we did not deserve it, to the one who died on our behalf but rose again on the first day of the week for our redemption. So we come this morning to honor Him, to declare His praise. We express our gratitude for God or to God for our salvation and the hope of resurrected life. Friends, this is His day. This is the Lord's day. So we come to honor Him in His resurrection. The second reason why this needs to be such a foundational habit in your life is because we are called to gather for the sake of others. We are called to gather for the sake of others. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up the meeting together. Now, this 
phrase in the Greek here, not giving up the meeting together, this is a very strong word. Uh, it means to not abandon and not desert. In fact, it's the same word that when Jesus is dying on the cross, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That forsaken, that's the same word. The early church, they took their corporate gathering so seriously that to, that to neglect it was the same thing as to abandon the community, to desert each other, to forsake your brothers and sisters. The word for church in, in the Greek is the word ekklesia. Now, at that time, that word meant a called-out assembly. In fact, that's how they would do government. They would call out the assembly of the citizens to gather. And so, really, uh, at the core, the idea of the ecclesia, the idea of church, is a group of assembled people for a purpose, called out to gather, called out to assemble. The very identity of church is a congregation. You know, friends, I tell you every single week to go be the church, but we can't be the church unless we gather together as the church. There has to be a gathering. In fact, you might notice that in our worship bulletin. That's the, the rhythm of our worship is God gathers us to worship. We express His praise. Then we hear the Word of God. Then we respond to the Word of God. And then God sends us back out to go be His light, to go make disciples, to go be the church. But the gathering is essential because that's part of who we are. You know, and I think most people who you know, choose not to gather for whatever reason, they simply do so because they want to do other things. You know, they want to go to other activities or rest or sleep or travel or whatnot, and many of these are good things. But most people don't have in their awareness the other people in the church, the people, the, their brothers and sisters in their needs. So remember that when you don't gather for worship, you are depriving your brothers and sisters of your love, of your encouragement, of a hug, of friendship, of your prayers, and of your spiritual gifts. You know, I've, I've actually started going through uh, the Marvel superhero movies in chronological order. And uh, yeah, I, I, try to, I try to stay up on uh, cultural things. And <laughs> I'm almost always about 10 years behind. Uh, so I'm, I'm finally going through it. Uh, you know, just uh, watched the Hulk last night. That was pretty good. Uh, but if you, don't, if you don't know, they, they have all of these independent superhero movies, right? You know, you, have, you start off with Thor and Iron Man and Captain America. And then, spoiler alert, if you're 10 years behind like me, they're going to come up with a movie called The Avengers where, where they all come together to save the world. You see, but if Captain America doesn't show up in The Avengers, The Avengers are down a teammate. They are down somebody with real skills, with real gifts that they could use in this battle to save the earth. Friends, if he doesn't show, they're down a teammate. Friends, and it may not seem like it because Satan is so good at blinding us, we are in a spiritual battle. We are in a battle of good, for, good against evil. We are in the greatest battle, the greatest cause in this universe. And if we don't gather, if we don't show... We're missing you. We're missing you because we're down a teammate. We're missing your skills. We're missing your contribution. We're missing what you bring to the table. We need you. We need you. You are essential to the church, and the church is essential for you. The writer to the Hebrews says that some are in the habit, and did you notice that it can become a habit over time if you're not careful? Some are in the habit of deserting and neglecting the church. They're not coming to the meeting. Why were they neglecting the meeting? 
Well, biblical scholar uh, Adolf Harnack, he says, levity, laziness, or weariness were often enough to detach a person from the society. A vainglorious sense of superiority and of being able to dispense with the spiritual aid of the society was also means of inducing many to withdraw from the fellowship and from the common worship. Many, by fear of the authorities, they shunned the attendance at public worship to avoid being recognized as Christians. Now, basically what he's saying is people could be neglecting the meeting because uh, they were lazy or they wanted to do something else, they were weary, they wanted recreation instead, or their pride, they didn't sense their need for the gathering, uh, or their fear of persecution uh, by the authorities. Now, most of us just deal with the first few, right? We're not, we don't really deal with that persecution threat. But we deal with the laziness, we deal with the desire for other things, we deal with the desire for recreation, and we deal with the desire, or, or we deal with our pride, not sensing our need for it. And that's what Kerry Newhoff was saying in the blog post I brought up earlier. But the writer of Hebrews says, don't neglect meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Even if others are doing it around you, even if it's becoming more normal and normal for people to gather less and less, stand firm. Stand firm. Even if others aren't doing it, you do it. In fact, as you see the day approaching, as you see the return of Jesus drawing near and near, gather and encourage all the more because you need it. The church needs it. We need it. And you are essential. So don't abandon your post. Don't abandon your brothers and sisters in this great cause. We need you. The church needs you. So we gather together for the sake of others. And finally, we get, we, the reason why this should be so foundational for us is because we build up Christ's church. Number three, we build up Christ's church. It says, let us consider how we may spur one another on. Now, in the Greek, in this sentence, the, the one another phrase, it actually comes right after the word consider. So it reads, consider one another how you may spur each other on. Consider one another how you may spur each other on. And so that changes a little bit how you read it because at first you consider one another. It's a word for meditation. It's a word for thinking and pondering about. So when you think about the church, think about your brothers and sisters. Picture them in your mind. Think about their lives, their hardships, their struggles, what they might be going through. Think about their need for encouragement, for love, for your prayers. Consider them, and then consider how you may provoke or stir each other up, encourage each other towards a life of love and good deeds, the lifestyle to which Jesus calls us to live. And I do believe this is something our church is good at, at considering each other. We do value each other and what we're going through in our lives and looking out for each other. So we do that, and then we do not neglect the meeting together, but encourage each other all the more. Now, I want you to notice, friends, how first that the gathering for worship, it's a God-centered motivation. We come to worship God. Then it's an others-centered motivation. I'm coming for the sake of others and to build them up. You know, people drive home from worship, and they might say something like, well, I really liked worship today, or I really didn't like the worship today. Well, fine. <laughs> Did you consider it wasn't about you? It wasn't about you today. It was, it was, it's about Him. It's about worshiping Him. And it's about building up His church. So instead of asking, did I like it or did I not like it today, 
On your way home, ask, did I honor the Lord? Did I build others up? Did I serve somebody? Did I encourage anybody today? Did I listen for God to speak to me and what I'm going through? Did I honor his word? Did I worship from my heart? Did I celebrate the resurrection? Did I pray for others? And did I love God and did I love his people? That's what we should be asking. If we come to worship to honor God and build up his church, friends, I'm confident that your own spiritual needs will be met along the way anyhow, all right? But we come for him and we come for each other. We do those first. We come to build up Christ's body with our spiritual gifts. We gather to serve others. So when you gather in a church that desires to do this, when you gather in a place that desires to honor Jesus and sing from our hearts as we make music to him, when you gather with a community that wants to connect with you, that wants to love you, that wants to help you grow, that wants to reach out to others, don't you think that you are going to be encouraged in your walk with God? Of course we will. Of course our needs will be met. And God's Spirit will minister to us as we do this together. That's how Jesus' body gets built up week after week, week after week. So why do we do this? Why do we ask you to make this a foundational habit in your life? Because we are called to honor the resurrection, the Lord's day. We are called to gather for the sake of others. The church is the greatest cause in the universe. So we come to assemble the team. And we also come to build up Christ's church. I want us to think about how regular we all are in this habit and how regular we ought to be. You know, attending just one Sunday may not feel all that significant. Showing up today may not feel all that significant to you. But friends, over time, things compound. I'm a big believer that what you sow grows. What you do over time grows. So I want you to think about this in terms of numbers of three different people. I want you to consider person A. Uh, This is a person who attends church twice a month on average. Now, this would actually be considered by the statisticians to be very frequent church attendance these days. Uh, This is a person who's here most Sundays when they aren't busy. Uh, You know, this accounts for, you know, traveling, vacation, weekend and summer getaways, and some Sundays just to sleep in. So maybe maybe you get to church twice a month. Now, that would be 26 Sundays in a year. Now, I like to think about maybe over a lifetime, maybe you get 60 years to come to church. Maybe it's more than that. Maybe it's less. I just threw out a number. And so if you did this over time, if that was your habit, remember what what is your habit of worship? If you did that over time, over 60 years, that would be 1,560 Sundays. That's quite a few Sundays, right? That's pretty good. Okay, now I want you to consider somebody who comes to church just one more time a month, three times a month on average. That's pretty good. That's considered quite regular. That would be 36 Sundays a year. If you did that for 60 years, that would be 2,160 Sundays over a lifetime. That is 720 more Sundays than person A. Friends, if you count that up, that is over 14 years worth of gathering with God's people for worship. Do you think that makes a difference? That's a huge difference. That's 14 years. 14 years worth more of gathering, serving, hearing sermons, worshiping, and letting your life be shaped by worship. But look, there's more. Let's consider person C. This is someone who might miss once every other month. 
So maybe three and a half times a month average. This person would get to church 46 out of the 52 Sundays in a year. If you were that committed over 60 years, you would go to 2,760 Sundays. Now, this is the person who go, goes most every Sunday. You know, this accounts for vacation, family trips, things like that. And sometimes, some years, you may have a little less depending on things going on in your family or your life. But overall, this is a person who's very committed. Person C has gathered for worship 1,360 more times than person A and 720 more times than person B. This person has had 27 years worth more of worship than person A and 14 years worth more of worship than person B. You notice they only, on average, they went to church just one or one and a half times more a month than the other two people. Just one was the habit. But over a lifetime, it compounds and makes a difference. So friends, these holy habits that which we're calling you to, these are just small, sustainable habits. We're talking about weekly attendance at worship. It's not that big. But over time, if you stay faithful, if you stay committed, it makes a big difference in your life and in our church, in your friends, in your family. And if a church desires to be intentionally connected, growing in Christ, reaching out to others, which type of attendance do you think is going to be most conducive to that? I would argue the latter. If we had that type of attendance of everybody in our church, oh, the richness of community that would grow, how we would grow in Christ, how we would be sustained by worship in the Word, and it would all improve exponentially over time. It compounds over time. It's not immediate. That's the idea with a harvest. We're going to talk about this next week. You sow the seed, but you don't see anything at first. But over time, it makes a difference. And I'm, I'm looking at Betsy Doble over there with the children's ministry too. One young children in worship may not seem like it makes a difference. Over time, over time. And friends, we don't know what this year will hold or how the pandemic will shake out, but I want to encourage you to be committed to gathering for worship in whatever way you can. And if it can't be in person, find those relationships, those small groups, the Zoom connections, whatever you can do to show up for others and also to be encouraged yourself. Some of you may want to, are math people like me and you may want to consider tracking. How many Sundays did I get to last year? How many Sundays did I get to this year? You might want to work that out and consider how often am I making this a habit and strive to gather as often as you can, not just for yourself, but for God and for others. I want to conclude with a quote by Gordon Smith. He says, The most significant and life-transforming event that happens every week is the quiet, consistent act of Christians worshiping the living God. It is not mentioned in the headlines of the daily newspaper, but it is the most crucial event in the life of any town or city. For in a quiet, unobtrusive way, God is bringing about a revolution. Will you join in?